All right, this is where the magic happens. Garage Logic Podcast 104. <laughs> Feb 22, 2019. 22 below in 1873 on this day, and 62 degrees in 2017. I don't remember that. That's only two years ago. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's that's what the temperature was two years ago. And now, from the mayor's office, above the boathouse on the yeah. east shore of Spoon Lake. Snowing in it's L.A. Garage today. Logic with Rookie on Production. Chris Reavers, director of social media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense, your mayor, Joe Souchere. We uh, received an email from a listener, Dennis Wolf. Isn't that correct, Reeves? Uh, uh, he nodded. For for the record, Chris nodded. Did he? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to pick up the phone. Sorry. <laughs> well, yes, yes. Uh, Dennis. This fellow was vacationing in Arizona, and he was watching the local news about the drug influx into the country. He included a link to the story for us, and uh, it features uh, Pinal County Sheriff Mark Lamb. And it turns out that Sheriff Mark Lamb is Dennis Wolf's friend's son-in-law. Everybody got that? Okay. So it's Dennis Wolf's buddy. Uh, buddy has a daughter uh, married to Mark Lamb, and uh, Dennis uh, said, "I can get him to join you, uh, and we would, and we're going to do that momentarily." Uh, and uh, he's in the middle of uh, drug enforcement work in Arizona. Sheriff Mark Lamb is it Pinal County? Is that how I pronounce it? Yeah, Pinal County. Pinal, Pinal County. And uh, Sheriff, uh, we were alerted to you by a buddy, and uh, you are uh, maybe could give us a, 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 an eyewitness account of what we see in the news every day. Uh, you're actively involved in uh, attempting to stop the influx of drugs into this country, correct? Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know that I can give you a good look at what's happening in the news, because who knows what they report. Well, that's but, uh, true. <laughs> I can tell you that, uh, you know, this is, as far as border security, you know, this has been a hot topic in the country. And we as sheriffs have really been vocal about it, especially down here on the southwest border, because this is something that we deal with every day. And what we don't stop, people think that it stays in the southwest. Well, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I'm going to tell you right now that the majority that comes into this country, and if Right now, the you know we're we're seeing about forty percent of all illegal drugs coming in through the borders of Arizona wow. that come to, that come into this country. So, what lands in Minnesota and Nebraska and the, the Carolinas, you know, we feel a real responsibility to try to stop that before it gets out into the country. Well, let's get this established right off the bat. Um, I'm going to take a wild guess and, and assume you're a proponent of a wall, or am I incorrect? I am a proponent of the wall. I am a proponent of border security. Mm-hmm. I just I think that the wall is a key piece of it, but it's not the end all be all fix all. It is a key piece, and we work on the technology piece of it. That becomes a proverbial wall. Um, we've got to make sure that we've got our staffing levels right, and I'd love to see more funding come down to some of the local agencies to help out with the uh, with the, with the mission. Sheriff, take us through a, uh, an example of who brings the drugs into this country, how and where. And that's a great question because this is what I've told people. It's not about immigration anymore. This is about drug trafficking and human trafficking into this country. 
it almost always has a nexus to those two things. We have, um, we have uh, the cartel that runs all these routes. So when you want to come into this country, if you want to work here, the cartel is going to charge you, mm-hmm. and they're most likely going to make you bring drugs into the country for them. And in the women are paying by, they're raping the women, they're, they're using children as pawns in this whole thing. Um, what we see is I'm not a border county. I'm about 70 miles off the border, but on the south end of my county is a, is a large Indian reservation. And there's only a three-strand barbed wire fence, and in some places there's no fence. Um, they can just walk across and uh, walk right into our country, and, and it's about a six-day hike up to the I-8 interstate, which connects up to the I-10. Let me take you back to the cartel. So if you're a bad guy in Mexico and you want to get into this country illegally, you have to literally pass through the cartel's territory? Yeah, you've got to pay the cartel. Cartel catches you and you didn't pay, you got big problems. Well, what if I, so in other words, the cartel uh, is going to determine whether I can walk past them or not? The cartel is going to determine whether you can use that route to get into this country. You know, you used to find guys that still knew a way to get in here, and they didn't do it through the cartel. But, mm-hmm. see, the cartel is a billion-dollar business, and they realize that there's just as much money, if not more money, in people than drugs. Mm-hmm. And so they've and – th- and that's a free transportation system. Not only is it free, the people are paying the cartel for their transportation system. How does so the cartel get paid back? The I- cartel – they collect up front. You don't. There's no no pay, no come across okay. the border. All right. And then uh, what they'll do is they'll saddle you with a backpack of marijuana or have you bring some fentanyl pills or heroin into the country. And uh, so they pay. And you know what we see is a lot of times when they pay, they pay, you know, whatever. Let's say it's $3,500 or $5,000. When they get here, the cartel a lot of times is saying, hey, by the way, you got here, so now you owe us another 2500 Sheriff, this is a rookie. I'm, I'm on the uh, podcast with Joe. Um, my question is: Can you tell? Do you know? A, a, can you tell a difference between uh, the the cartel people that are being forced to do this and maybe an innocent person that's just trying to look for work? Is there a distinction of any type? So there's there's always usually one or two coyotes, depending on the group and depending on what they're bringing across. It is very difficult to tell the coyote apart, and they do it on purpose because that way if the coyote gets caught, then they just round them all up and send them back, and the coyote goes back with them. Okay. So the coyote is the guy that is employed by the cartel to make sure that the delivery makes its final destination and show them the way. And uh, that cartel, that coyote is, is not easily distinguishable, but they often – we can usually – if you have a guy that does this enough or, or a squad or a task force that does this enough, we can usually pretty uh, with a pretty high probability pick who it is. Got it. How much of your work day is is constructed around this work, stopping the drug oh, influence? This time of year, if mm-hmm. I were to go out there, I could catch them every night. We mm-hmm. took the news out, and we caught two different crew, groups totaling 12 bodies in one night and have a truck full of marijuana. Um, two days later, we got into a little mini pursuit, six guys bailed out. We got six bodies and, uh, and another truck full of marijuana. So, I mean, we could go out there almost every night and, uh, catch them. 
And you're between Tucson and Phoenix. You're the third largest county in the state. So they're what? They're 70, 80 miles from the border by the time they're in your county? Yes. So here's the other key piece. They know this. When they're on the reservation, the feds have a threshold of 500 pounds of marijuana. So if Border Patrol catches them on the reservation, then they're not going to get a charge because they're carrying a 30 or a 40 or a 50-pound backpack of marijuana. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to catch those charges from the feds. They'll just take them, send them back. They know it's five miles from the, the reservation line to the I-8 interstate. They know that if they get caught in that five miles, they're going to catch charges in our state, and we're going to take them and book them in jail, and they're going to go through the process for having you know, a backpack full of marijuana. So that last five miles is a crucial five miles for them, and that's, that's the cat and mouse game right there, that, that last five miles. What implications will the continuing legalization of marijuana have on this? Those guys will just ch- uh, change to what, meth and fentanyl and opioids and whatever? Well, we already have uh, intel that they've changed well over 20,000 acres of marijuana fields to poppy seed fields because our appetite here in America has shifted to an appetite of, of opiates, uh, heroin, and so they're they're more than happy to try to feed that appetite that we have here in America. So they've already shifted a lot of it, and a lot of it is because of the legalization in several states. But don't think the cartel doesn't come up here and get their hand in that business, too. All we did was eliminate the transportation piece of it for them. Now they can come up here and strong-arm people and, and be part of this business up here in states where it's already legalized. In your estimation, is this a national emergency? Yes. All right. Yeah, I mean, we. I think that if one American, you know, is hurt a week, the statistics will show you that there's thousands of Americans being victimized every year by people who are in this country illegally. Mm-hmm. And they're bringing, and that's not even taken into consideration the damage that the drugs are doing to our communities and our children and our our mothers, our fathers. I mean, it's it's it truly is a problem, and so. Where you have to stop it is you have to stop it at the points of entry on the border. That's the border security piece of it. So, yeah, it absolutely is a crisis, and we're glad that we finally have a president that's that's taking that serious and, and not just letting this problem continue. When they, If they get past you and they get to Phoenix, i got to think it's just harder than hell to find them then. It is. Phoenix is 4.5 million people yeah, there. Yeah, It's, you know, you can hear it. Every step, they become more and more difficult to find. And trust me, they're not staying in Phoenix. Like I said, they're, that's, a, that's a little piece of it. Some of the drugs stay there, some of the people. But the majority of these people want to get inland because the chances of having ICE or Border Patrol in those states are slim to none. And so what you'll find is they, if they can get into those interior states, the, the, the likelihood of de- deportation is lower. And, um, you know, it's a problem. What do you make of uh, the uh, politicians, uh, left-leaning politicians, who not only don't want a wall, but they want to abolish ICE? What goes through your mind when you attempt to deal with that? You know, it's a shame. These people, it drives us crazy because they're talking and they have no idea what they're talking about. Mm -hmm. You know, but a lot of these people, what's, what's more shameful, and I think during the State of the Union address it was very apparent, Trump could get up there and say, you know, a million dollars for everybody or free health care for everybody. And the left would throw a fit. Why? Because they hate 
our president. Yep. And that is a shame. We have lost what America was built on, which is being able to be different, but come to the table and, and find common sense solutions to problems. And it's okay that we have differences of opinions, but to have what they, what is we're seeing in this country is very dangerous. And, uh, and our Congress people are, are, are setting a very poor example for the rest of the people in this country. We have, you know, the definition of insanity is to do the same thing over and over again and expect a different result. Now, that's my we as Americans, game. we keep voting in the same exact people, and then we expect a different result. Right. So we're, we're, we're a large in part to blame for what's going on because we have failed and we have continued to send the same Pelosi's and other people back there who are doing no good for this country. Do you see or do you get a feel that residents of Arizona have a have a better um, uh, experience and know full well that this is a problem as opposed to somebody sitting in New York or New Hampshire or, or Washington? No doubt. There's no doubt that we have a better feel for it. And that's why as sheriffs in the border states, we encourage any other sheriff or anybody who wants to come and see the border and see the problems we're dealing with. Even my local news who lives, who is in Phoenix, when we took him out, the newscaster said to me, she goes, I had no idea it was like this. Mm-hmm. She goes, I knew, but I didn't, I didn't know. Um, anybody that we've taken out to see it, to see the trash they leave in the desert, mm-hmm. um, to see the destruction on the, on the ranches, cutting the, the wires, you know, cows choking on tuna cans that they leave out in the, uh, in the ranch lands. I mean, these are the things that we feel firsthand. And so absolutely we get a, a good look at it. But having said that, like I said, these people aren't staying here. So a lot of them are ending up in the Carolinas and Georgia and all these places. And, and they're still feeling the effects of, of, of some of those things well, well into the country. Sheriff, uh, one thing you mentioned at the beginning of the interview was using children. And I know that's one of the things that particularly the left likes to gleam on is how are they doing this to people that are families where in most cases there's essentially no connection to the children that are being used in these photographs crossing the border. I want you to touch on that a little bit more because I don't think the average person realizes just what these people are capable of. So I was at a National Sheriff's Association meeting last week in D.C., and I sat down with uh, a couple sheriffs out of the Dallas, Texas area, and they have a really good interdiction program that they do. Well, they were telling me that three times now in the last few months, they have pulled cars over with children in the back seat that have no idea who the people in the front seat are. And those people in the front seat have no idea who those children are. They are, they are playing on our emotions here in America. They know that our sentiment is this has become a very strong um, uh, point for the left to push this children thing. But don't think that the cartel doesn't turn around and use that against us. And they absolutely do. We have a, a lot of intel where they get across the border and then they're just leaving these children on the other side of the border. The cartel will pay a family to, to allow them to use their child to get a to get people across. This is a business. And the quicker Americans start to understand that the cartel is making billions of dollars off of this and and exploiting our public sentiment, the better off we'll be. How dangerous is this work for you and your people? Anytime you're, you're, you're dealing with somebody who's bringing drugs into the country 
or who just paid $5,000 to get here, his whole life savings, and now the police officer's behind him um, trying to pull him over, it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. It's very dangerous. You know, we've, we have people. We've, we, I've seen um, uh, pictures of guys with AK-47s and horses and coming across our borders. I've, we've recovered several guns. You know, we have people that will, the, the cartel will put scouts in the mountaintops to make sure that they protect the loads from both law enforcement and rip crews. So very dangerous. It's always very dangerous. Anytime you're, you know, you're trying to stop somebody from bringing either illegal drugs or humans into this country, it's dangerous. We just elected a, a state attorney uh, uh, general here in Minnesota, a guy named Keith Ellison, and he's he's a leading uh, proponent of suing uh, to stop the building of the wall. I, I wish you could address these kinds. I wish you could address these people and make them understand what it's like when you're actually there on the ground. You know, and they'll find some obscure statistic. I was in a group last night, and and uh, there was both parties, and um, majority of the people understand that. But I had one gentleman who's not, and he said, look, statistics show that crime is low in the border cities. Well, of course, because they don't stay there. That's not where they're staying. So you, the, the opposition can always find statistics that support what they want to say. But the, the actuality is you have over 3,000 sheriffs that delivered a letter to the president. I was there at the White House saying, we support ICE. We need border security. Um, so it's a problem across this country. And uh, those people like your attorney general should do a better job of educating themselves before they start being a proponent of something so dangerous and so reckless for this country. Well, I guess I got to tell you to don't hold your breath when it comes to our guy. Sheriff, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and that's what a lot of people will say that they'll say, well, you know, there's nothing you can do. This is, well, you know, I am only one, but I am one. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing is if more Americans start taking it and saying, Hey, I'm going to take a stand with this, then then we will eventually start changing some of those people. But you're right. A lot of these people will never change their mind, but hopefully we can at least make them insignificant. Sheriff, you referenced the uh, the reservations a little bit earlier, the Salt River, Pima, Maricopa Indian uh, people. Are they being used as, as pawns in some way, or is the cartel taking advantage of them somehow? So that reservation is where I started my career, but that's not the reservation that's the south end of our county. Okay. Um, the, the reservation on the south end of our county is the Tahana Odom Indian Reservation. Okay. And, you know, I don't know. I, I'm not going to say that the tribe is helping them, but there are tribal members, and we've actually had plenty of cases where tribal members are being paid by the cartel to help those people get up to our county and up to this area to be able to uh, get on the I-8 freeway, the I-10 and uh, basically get into Phoenix and, and disappear into our country. So, yeah, there are a lot of people. And you have people down there. That, those are very remote villages. If the cartel comes in and says, hey, I'll give you $5,000 to bring these five people up to the county line, yeah, there's a lot of people that are going to do that. Mm. Help me understand something. In Nogales, is there a formal checkpoint where you could legally apply to come into the country? Yeah, Nogales is, is one of the... the checkpoints. Nogales is a very unique city because it's like on the American side, it's like 30,000 people. It's like 500,000 people on the Mexican side. And that city, that city has always had a very ebb and flow of people coming in and that work in Nogales or on the, on the U S side. 
and then go home to Mexico at night. Um, and so that one is a different, there's still a lot of drugs coming across the ports, but how that community interacts is very different because of, you know, they work together. Um, that's where the case with a lot of border counties or border cities where we struggle with it is in the, the cities more on the more as you get further and further in the interior. Well, what you're struggling with are the guys scurrying across the desert on foot, no barriers. They're just flooding in. Yeah. Well, we do that. And then we have the I eight, I 10 interchange mm-hmm. and we have interdiction units. We recovered 17 pounds of meth the other day. Uh, we recover cash all the time. Um, we have guys out there stopping people every day. And these are obviously vehicles that are coming through the ports of entry. Mm-hmm. Not only that, they're coming through at, uh, you know, like out in Texas. Uh, those guys are stopping people up in Dallas, which is obviously not on the border. But they're stopping people up there that are bringing in hundreds of thousands of dollars of cash and, and hundreds of pounds of illegal drugs. Man, you got your work cut out for you, sir. We do. We definitely do. But, you know, we do our part. We keep pushing on. And uh, I can tell you, I say this again, whether you like the president or not, he has been very supportive to law enforcement and it's much appreciated. And uh, President Trump has been very supportive on this issue of protecting our borders. And and I, I, I wish that all the people knew what what a great impact that it will have on the country if they would just allow us to do what we need to do. Sheriff Mark Lamb, thank you very much. I hope we can stay in touch in the future. Absolutely. Give me a call anytime. And uh, I, I appreciate you guys taking the time to talk to somebody who's down here on the front lines and, and dealing with it, because that's what more people need to do is understand the, the real impact that it has. All right, Sheriff Mark Lamb, thank you very much. Good luck. Thank you. All right. God bless. Have yeah, a good one. Yeah, you bet. He is a constitutional wow. conservative. I can't get over his job every day. Uh, the, the desperation of the people that he... In, it's bad enough if That's you're in St. Paul or downtown, but to have that threat hanging over you every time you're pulling someone over, I couldn't do it. I'd and be, keep I'm this a, in mind. He also said that he's 70... Is it 70 miles north of the, the they're border? They're 75. They're, he's, he's between... Uh, that county is between Tucson and Phoenix. And folks, that county is the size of the state of Connecticut. Right. He's got a big... It's the third largest county in Arizona. Good Lord. He's got a lot of territory to cover. Well, and, and I think... But doesn't the, that give you a different view yes, of what's it does. taking place? It, it does. And that's why I wanted to ask the question about children, because I know you're not a social media guy, Joe, but when no. you look at this, the people that are always crying and whining about, how can they separate the family? Folks, wake up. They're, yeah. They are using kids as pawns in this game. He looks like a sheriff from Arizona, doesn't he? I do whatever he tells oh, me to do. I put the, my hands up. I'm going to say yes, sir. I, I when I talked to him He's yesterday, about the size of a beer keg, right? <laughs> when He's I talk, a big boy. When I talked to him yesterday, I, the. I spent 90 seconds with him. Oh, my God, he's going to be fantastic. Yeah. Got the I, cowboy hat going. Oh, man. Yeah. Godspeed to you, oh. sir. All right. Thank you. We'll, uh, we'll be back. You'll learn more here by accident than elsewhere by design. Here's Joe Suchere. Thank you to Sheriff Mark Lamb. I can't. I'm gonna. I'm gonna enjoy talking to him again. How's that sound? Oh, that number's getting saved. I'd save that number. All right. Uh, just a minute. Uh, Stacy weighed in. The GL geologist. 
Uh, Ooh, mother's yeah. really rumbling down in Peru. Mother is rumbling down in. It Peru. was over. It was a seven and a half. Mm-hmm. I think it was a seven and a half on the mm-hmm. Richter scale. Mm-hmm. All right. Isn't it nice that we have our own personal geologist? Mm-hmm. All right. This uh, Jussie is that his name? Jussie Smollett. Jussie, Jussie Smollett. Yes. Yeah. Uh, he. I bet he skates. I told. What did I tell you from the first I, day? I mean, to find skates. I don't. Well, he's going to be charged with a felony, and I bet he will not serve any time. He will not spend a second behind bars. What about his career? I, That's in trouble. I, he's already been. Uh, they I already wrote him, him off. Go. I think yeah, they're they writing him, they already wrote him off the show. And that's about all he had here's, going for Here's him. the problem. Check this out. His sympathizers will go to a default position and say, well, just because this didn't happen, it certainly could have. Oh, God. Because he will be portrayed as a likely candidate for this supposed hatred because he's black and he's gay and uh, uh, he doesn't like Trump. Uh, he's pictured with a very inelegant T-shirt on on the Drudge Report today with a profanity Trump. Yeah, he know. really went after the president prior to this non-attack. But, but the Mysterians, the Mysterians will say uh, that he was entirely justified in attempting to uh, portray portray himself as this put upon victim that he's entirely justified because he's a marginalized citizen. I don't I personally don't believe he is. He was a successful actor or whatever the hell he was. Meaning he had a he had a tough life because he may have been gay, well, because African American. He's black and gay. He uh, the default position will be uh that he is deserving of our sympathy and that he uh he didn't he didn't realize that uh, he was going to bring about so much uh, trouble. Uh John Cass of the Chicago Tribune had a great piece today. He was livid, Cass was, that Chicago uh, used 22 detectives on this case. And it was Cass's point that uh, from the time Smollett uh, set up this fake attack, Mm -hmm. 18 murders occurred in Chicago. And it was Cass's point that we we couldn't afford 22 detectives for this Fruitcake, mm-hmm. basically, is what he was saying. But I, I, I just, I, I predict that that some great accommodations will be made for him, and uh, his his lawyers are already uh, uh, sowing the seeds of of uh, poor police work and a rush to judgment. The rush to judgment was by the left. Right. The rush to Correct. judgment was this absolutely did happen. There were people who needed this to happen because it corroborates their worldview. Cass had another great point. He's a good columnist. We're going to call him sometime. Boy, wouldn't you love to? Well, you guys didn't read him. You're too young. I would love to uh, have known what Mike Royko would have said about this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cass had another great point. We're not a hateful country. There are isolated in- instances mm-hmm. of hatred. Yes. But we're a pretty good country. And what the left keeps selling is that we're horrid. The left keeps selling the idea that we're horrid. The left could not glom onto this case fast enough to embrace him and to say, I'm sorry for you, and, and on and on and on and on. It didn't happen. And they were acting that way. It didn't even happen. And as Charles Barkley has said, 
Oh, man, you're going to commit a crime. Don't write a check. <laughs> Barkley, I love Barkley. Oh, I wish he'd run for president. She's terrible. Don't write a check. Oh, he's got to get rid of the paper trail. Yeah. But, and they, they, you know, they have a check that he wrote to these two guys. Oh, my God. 3500 bucks. Here you go. This is your paper trail. My point being that among the things abandoned to bring about the mystery are standards. Mm -hmm. And if you meet the template of the mystery, if you can be identified somehow as marginalized, victimized, either by your race or your sexuality or, or your gender or whatever, then there are no standards. Standards are for other people. And, and Mysterians have successfully or are successfully wiping out the standards. I can link this to talking to the sheriff from Pinal County in Arizona. Mark Lamb. You have people in this country that see the wall as... Uh, an example of American privilege and authority. And it's unfair to people to erect a wall. And and Trump is seen as this horrible uh, racist who wants to keep out people. This pure, he's seen as a, he's seen as a pure, a blonde haired, blue eyed purist. But the standard that's been demolished the standard is we have every right in the world to have a sovereign country. And we have every right in the world to properly manage the people who want to live here. We don't intend to keep anybody out, mm-hmm. but we have every right in the world to establish the standards that prevent these coyotes running all the way up into Mark Lamb's territory. Scrambling across the desert. Are they desperate human beings? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. But let's funnel them to the correct way to get into the country. We're going to get you some help here. Here's the way you do it. Wouldn't that go a long way also into putting these cartels out of business? You know, I had a really troubling and deep thought when he mentioned that. It's very troubling to me that you've had a deep thought. Are you sure? Let's decide. With the amount, he called it a billion dollar industry. Oh, at least. And I'm not here to suggest that this is happening. But would you be surprised if some rejected the wall because some have been bought off? Nothing surprises me anymore. And that's the thought I had. It would not surprise me if that's why some of these politicians are against the idea of having a wall. If Smollett, 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 Jersey, will you foghorn that yeah. First name and this oh knucklehead. Yeah. Had a deep thought. Jesse. Thought that was, was, was it nice? It was deep. It was okay. It was a deep thought. It's Smollett. If Smollett can be defended by the Mysterians, and I predict he will be, because he fits the template of a marginalized victim of society, then can you imagine that the Mysterians are easily able to apply that to these people who want to come into the country. They're put upon. They're victimized. They're brown-skinned. They're, they're uh, fleeing this, fleeing that. And, and all I think I all, saying. all serious people want to do is establish an order for this. It's not, and Trump isn't the first president to, to do anything. He might be the first president who intends to complete 
this mission. To act. To, yeah. to Other, physically uh, act. You know, Obama's talked about walls. W talked about walls. They all talk about walls. At the back of everyone's mind is the idea that the United States does get to protect its sovereign nation status. We're a sovereign country. You just can't turn it over to anybody you want. Right. So, uh, uh, oddly, okay. I don't, that might be a poor link between Smollett and uh, Pinal County, but I, I just have this uh, dreadful feeling that what you're going to see as this Smollett case plays out mm-hmm. is that uh, uh, he'll either achieve some sort of victory in the judicial system. His, his lawyers might be able to paint the picture that uh, he was the. He was a victim of poor police work, and the police shouldn't have said what they said as soon as they did, and on and on and on and on. And you'll have uh, virtually all of the uh, Democratic candidates for president uh, uh, saying kind words about him. Well, uh, And I, he's, a, he's a bum. He's yeah, a he, bum. He's, really he's a, a bum. He's really a, a, as he's far a bad as, guy. Right. He, and he's an idiot. He's an idiot. And he's an idiot. Uh, along those you know, lines, I don't like my salary either, so I think yeah, right. I'm going to. What, uh, what can I do? Uh, I'm going to try <laughs> to dream up. Uh, um, Joe gave me and Rook ten bucks right. to stage yeah, a. I'm going to give you each. I'm going to give you each ten dollars to uh, maybe trip me on the ice or something. My other car is electric. They had bumper stickers. Right. <laughs> uh, I, I read a Facebook post from a, a buddy of mine, Steve Mayhem. He's a hell of a negotiator, isn't he? Oh, he really yeah. is. Yeah. Here we go. What are you going to give me now? Uh, that along the lines of, of what you're talking about, the divided country, I just want to read this post, uh, and I commented on it. Read the last sentence of this history nugget, pretended patriotism. This guy, Steve, says, turn off your TV, Fox, or CNBC, and invite your neighbors over. Here's the quote. It's the birthday of the first president of the United States, George Washington, born in the colony of Virginia, 1732. Washington's father, Augustine, was a tobacco farmer, landowner, and slaveholder. Augustine had inherited much of the family's estate from his grandfather, John, who immigrated from England to Virginia in 1656. Augustine died suddenly of illness when George was just 11 years old, but George's mother, Mary, remained influential in his life. Where is this going? And lived to see her son elected as president. George traveled 50 miles to Mount Vernon to see his mother the day after he was elected, where he found her on her deathbed with breast cancer. He told her that he was going to decline the office, but she insisted that he go and fulfill the high density which heaven has ordained you to fill. Washington served as president for eight years. In his farewell address to the nation, he warned that his greatest fear for the new country was that forces would try to divide Americans and undermine the country's principles. He argued that citizens should come together to resist those people. His quote, guard against the impostures of pretended patriotism. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. That works today. It works today. It really works, it works today. today better than it did then. Oh, my God. You know that he had wooden teeth? I did know that. Yeah. I saw uh, his choppers. You know, dental work back then was pretty... Uh, it's a little crude. It was, uh, it was primitive. Primitive. Yeah. Primitive. That's where you got your, your foot... Did they have the foot drill? Oh, they didn't Probably have that. The they drill. would just, you know, you know, Burt out Describe, in the barn and carve you a set of teeth. Just wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> Describe for me the tool that extracted the tooth. A tong. Oh. A tong. Did you see a tong? <laughs> yes. I'm seeing tongs. Yes, it's that. Like you it grab has... ice with. <laughs> yes. It just... Uh, and it was the color... It was black, gray, yeah, gray, gray dark or black, gray or yeah. black, yes. and it was all stained from the fire. It was, it was not, um, it was not silver, and, and it didn't no. look like it was clean. No, and what was the anesthetic? The anesthetic was a shot of bourbon. Hooch, hooch, <laughs> you have hooch. Take a shot of this, and, and then we'll they fit you moment. for the new wooden teeth. By the way, oh. uh, we got home yesterday. 
Who's the, we? The kid. Or oh, yeah. Wednesday night. Wednesday. He asked his mom, Mom, what are British teeth? Yes, of course. I gave the kid some grief because he's <laughs> missing some yes. teeth. He's missing like four choppers in the top row. Say, let me tell you something. One size rarely fits all. That includes teeth and insurance. Mm. That's why Federated Mutual Insurance Company tailors its insurance programs to individual businesses. Oh, they offer it all. Property, casualty, life, disability, income insurance. Their marketing reps are the best because they get to know you, and that allows them to customize the coverage you need. For example, I'm sure driving is a significant part of your business. They'll talk to you about auto liability. And uh, given the modern age of uh, technology that we live in, you might be worried about a cyber attack. They have data compromise coverage. Your business is unique. You need an insurance carrier who treats it that way. Get in touch with a federated insurance marketing representative to see how their second-to-none service can help your business thrive because at Federated, it's their business to protect yours. Anything new from Dylan? Bob? Monday, bro. Johnny Height's going to bring in some new Dylan Height bumper music. Not funny to say Bob. Not funny. There is uh, new no. things from Bob Dylan, though. His kitchen sink. No. I saw His that. bathroom sink? Oh, Was it up to four grand? Emailer Jason says, mm-hmm. check out this example of power washing. God, I hate power washing. You love it, though, because it provides material for the show. <clears throat> A tweet from the Marketing Analytics Center at Emory University in Atlanta has gone viral. In the hockey world of all places. Power washing in the hockey world. It can't possibly. Hockey is just hockey, and that's what it is. No, the students at Emory believe the Nashville Predators should change their name to the Sabercats. Okay. Mm -hmm. What did I tell you the other day? Uh, About the Edmonton, my son, the Edmonton Oilers. Oilers, The Oilers are going to be, because their fossil fuel is going to have to be changed. Now this from the Predators. How how many times? Can I finish this story? Yeah, okay. You getting a little worked up? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Got it. I'll be over here. You leave getting the worked up part to me. Okay. I'll get worked up. I I didn't have lunch. I'm going to get worked up. Some students are suggesting that the, the club changes their name to Sabercats to get away from the stigma of the word predator. Unheard of. It it it, it meets my definition of power washing. Yes. Because I never once associated the name with the act of human predatory behavior. Now it's power washed. Now these dark minds want me to see the name and only believe that it refers to uh well obviously what they're intimating is what sexual predation. Yes. What did you prior to reading this in your mind? Well, isn't there logo, call up their logo? Isn't it a claw or something? I, I just thought no. It's a it's a it's a cat. Some kind of animal with the with the big uh, teeth sticking out. Yeah. Well, my point being, power washers ruin life for people. I yes. never we're calling up the predators. Uh, uh, it's a it's some kind of animal with fangs yeah. or something, isn't it? I mean, don't get me going on sports names. There aren't very many good no. names for teams. No. Especially I can count the them on ones. one hand. The new ones are all just... Oh. And I don't like Wild. I never did. No, it's a dumb name. The Predators just beat a, a pretty beat-up L.A. Kings club, 2-1. to one. Uh, Students suggest rebranding NHL's Nashville Predators to the Sabercats to get away from the stigmas associated with the word predator. 
Uh, rebranding is common in sports, but uh, the reactions to this particular idea were primarily negative. After facing backlash from fans, one of the students in the group defended their project. Actually curious, are you seriously offended by the use of the word predator, or do you pretend to be for the sake of the project? The assumption that we actually offend at all, I think, is what drives most people. Replies here, this is a student. Uh, but you that this this fulfills a proper definition of power washing. When you have taken something that no one was associating with predatory behavior mm-hmm. and you and you stigmatize the word, uh, that's power washing. You've taken something innocent. And how can the how long you know what though? Isn't it funny? I'm gonna make a link. The left doesn't care about the devils. Oh, good point. Ooh. Yeah. Huh? But they'd care, well, and they, and they don't care about the saints either, in fairness. So I guess saints and devils is okay. Angels. Angels. Yeah. I'm surprised, though, that saints and angels are not facing scrutiny. What was the, uh, what was the Seinfeld bit? Where, I don't know. That's uh, where a he long was, time ago. Where he was dressed up as the devil, uh, Elaine's boyfriend. I'm not recalling. Anyway, they were Sorry. trying to tr- change the name because the, someone was petrified about the name Devils. The franchise, That's what I'm picturing now. The franchise held a vote with the fans to choose a team name. Three candidates were chosen from the Ice Tigers, Fury, and Attack. Another choice, Predators, was added to the vote. Predators won the vote, and they're, boom. Ice Tigers. There's a lot of lousy names in sports. Uh, and if you're going to be a power washer, you could go after most of them. You know, Vikings were pillagers, weren't they? Weren't yes. They? Yes. Saints. Oh, yeah. You already called Saints. I'm surprised um, Saints uh, and Cowboys. Angels. Cowboys. That's that's uh, misogynistic, isn't it? Sexist. Uh, it just it's just ridiculous. Power washing is insidious. It's just a terrible, terrible thing. So is this ISIS bride. Did you guys follow this with the chick from Alabama? Who? Yes. The father of the Alabama woman begging to be let back in the U.S. after leaving years ago to join ISIS, is now launching a legal campaign against President Trump, Secretary of State Mike Pompeo, and Attorney General William Barr. Attorneys from the Constitutional Law Center for Muslims in America have filed a lawsuit on behalf of Ahmed Ali Muthana, arguing his daughter, Hoda, and her 18-month-old son should be allowed to return to to should be allowed to return to America, and her citizenship, which the U.S. government disputes, should be recognized. The suit also seeks a judgment that Muthana's father is entitled to send his daughter money to ensure the survival of his daughter and grandson and enable them safe passage home without, suggesting, without subjecting himself to criminal liability. Uh, Muthana currently is living in a refugee camp in northeast Syria, and she is willing to pay whatever debt she has to society, even if it means serving a lengthy prison sentence, her family's lawyer told Fox News Thursday. No, not me. I say stay there, lady. That's enough No, you made your choice. You, you stay there. Uh, I have many predictions about this, by the way, along the lines of— I don't think I'm going to like one line, of them. Along the lines of Jersey Smollett. In 2015, Muthana allegedly operated a Twitter account that on at least one occasion tried to incite Americans to commit acts of violence on national holidays. Pompeo, though, has said Muthana is not an American citizen, and Trump has vowed not to let her back into the country. In Ms. Muthana's words, she recognizes that she has ruined her own life, but she does not want to ruin the life of her young child. The attorneys who filed the lawsuit in U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia told 
AL.com in a statement. Citizenship is a core right under the Constitution, and once recognized, should not be able to uh, be unilaterally revoked by tweet, no matter how egregious the conduct may be. BS. BS. You wanted to kill everybody, a right. word I can't Whoa. say. I can. It's a podcast. No. The hell I can't. Uh, Zudi Jassar, the founder and president of the American Islamic Forum for Democracy, a group that describes itself as a Muslim-led organization uh, working on the front lines for reform at all levels of the Muslim community, told Fox News the government shouldn't even bother with Muthana. She became, well, good for this guy. Right. She became not only a terrorist, she became an enemy of our country, and if she did believe in the citizenship oath, she abandoned it and actually violated it and became an enemy combatant, he said, on America's newsroom. That's from Zudi Jasser, the founder and president of American Islamic Forum for Democracy. Good for him. Right. Now my predictions. Is Pat already available? Yeah, he had to come in a, a couple minutes early. What are you early. showing me, Rook? I can't see it. I got a lot on my mind. Okay, well, play the theme for Patrick, we'll then I'll get the back theme. to this. I'll Breaking news this. on Jesse Small at Patrick's Take. <laughs> Jersey. Jesse. Jersey. Jersey. <laughs> I know it ain't Jesse. Hey, Pat. My take is, who is he? Yeah. Pat, how about <laughs> that Robert? Not about him, but I don't know who he is. Pat, how about <laughs> that Robert Kraft? Yep, it's good. Yeah, he's, uh, he's got a billion dollars. Yep. He's got, he got numerous billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And he's going to a massage parlor where it costs either $59 or the $79 for the super special. Uh, you know, if he's really, I know he's a widower now, and blah, yeah. blah, 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 but why doesn't he fly in a hooker on a private plane from Vegas for yeah. about 10000 Right. He's, uh, or go get a date. Go to a senior center and get a date. Yeah, yeah, he could get a date. <laughs> he could definitely get a date. And he probably wouldn't have to go to the senior center. He could just go up and show him his, uh, his, his uh, life savings. Things would be fine. Did you and I, uh, correct me, I uh, can't recall, did you and I discuss the Kuchar caddy problem? Yes, we did. We did, we, okay, we, uh, okay. We uh, bad-mouthed him properly. There. Yeah, all right. About, uh, ten minutes, eight minutes there. All right, okay, so. all right. I just yeah, this me. is worse, by the way. This is worse than, you know, a low ball at your, uh, your caddy. This is worse. That being so damn cheap yep. that you go to the Oasis, where, by the way, it's... Uh, uh, what Chinese women who aren't allowed to leave, right? Yes. I have no idea. Yeah. I didn't read the story. Yeah, that, no, that's what. Yeah, they're saying that it's like, uh, you know, uh, you know, the worst kind of uh, of, uh, of brothel type oh. of thing. Anyway. Uh, how's your ball club? Well, they got better just now. About an hour ago, they agreed to terms with Marwin Gonzalez, uh, one of the great utility players in the game, twenty-eight years old. Gave him, uh, in fact, I had the MVP ballot two years ago. I voted for him eighth. He had a great year for Houston. He wasn't as good last year. But he's going to be 29 here pretty soon, another Venezuelan, and he can play all over. He, you can play him anywhere you want. He's a switch hitter. He can play third, uh, you know, when Miguel's going to DH or take a day off or, you know, never have his heel. Uh, 
and uh, you know, he can play short. He can play anywhere in the infield, and uh, he, he plays in the outfield too. He's played some center field. He's the super utility man. And uh, two years, twenty-one. He was kind of holding out, hoping somebody would give him three, but nobody did. So he uh, he took this deal, and uh, and it looks like Adrian, who's been a decent player for them has got some issues in his uh, shoulder issues and they're probably going to start the year on the DL. Okay, did so they, needed, they did, needed this guy. Did Sano show up with the bum heel? Yes, he had a cut on uh they won the uh championship over there and the Dominican, the team he was playing for, he played for him for about the last two and a half weeks. And they won the championship for the first time in 50 some years. So they had a civic celebration the next day, and uh, somebody spilled a drink. I don't think it was him on the stage. And then somebody fell down in front of him, and then he fell down on him and uh, and cut the back of his heel, I guess. And it's a, it's a horizontal cut. It's not a it's not a vertical cut. So I guess it you know they're having a, they're having a much harder time. It wasn't like the uh, who was the Boston Healing. pitcher that had the fake red mark. It wasn't one of those where you just put a red marker no, on it. No, to... not like Kurt Schilling with the bloody sack. <laughs> okay. uh, you know, you basically went in and put food coloring on it <laughs> to make it to make himself a, a hero of a Red Sox nation. So, hey Pat, remind uh, me uh, a couple of years ago when the Strohs won the World Series and uh, they were here and the Twins held them to forty runs in three games. Who was the? Was it the manager or was it a fellow player that called Marwin the MVP of that team? Yeah, well, a lot of them did, and then of course Altuve became the actual MVP. Right. Uh, but uh, I had, you know, I had two Astros on my ballot, and he was the. I had Altuve at the top, and then uh, Gonzalez was uh, really good that year. I think he knocked in eighty some runs yeah. that year and played all over. Ended up having six hundred bats. He's another Venezuelan, so just. But the good news is I don't think this is going to cost uh, Williams Osteo his spot on the roster. That's what we're most concerned about. All right. Uh, they have a game as soon as what? This weekend? Tomorrow. They got two. Mm-hmm. They got a uh, 1 o'clock game and then a uh, uh, 1 o'clock game in Sarasota and a 6 o'clock game at home. And uh, the uh, I think there's going to be a Marwin Gonzalez press conference in the middle of this. So it'll be a... Uh, He's apparently driving over from Jupiter. Now take it easy here, and uh, that's where Bob Kraft does his business, by the way. <laughs> and uh, he's driving over from Jupiter. He's going to take the physical tonight, and uh, will be announced tomorrow. And then he's going to fly to Houston to get his stuff for a couple of days because he's been working out on his own over in Jupiter because he didn't have a team. So I, I'm kind of surprised Houston didn't keep him for this kind of money. They must have some kid that they want to put on the roster or something. It's, it's not bad. But the poll ads, the cheap poll ads, yeah. now ninth in free agent spending this offseason. Really? And more than anyone in the uh, in the uh, American League Central, as I keep writing, when are the poll ads going to learn you can't buy a pennant? That's, That's right. right. That's yep. right. <laughs> hey, can, uh, can or should the Gophers make it to the uh, – Tournament? No, they, they sure the hell shouldn't. Right. I, yeah, if they uh, uh, here's, I think the game Sunday is if if they get beat at Rutgers, uh, uh, you know, if they only win one of these last four, I suppose if it's Purdue, it would help them. But you you can't get the tournament at eight and twelve in the league for right. God's sake. Right. You know, I've detected their problem. I've said this on Twitter a couple of times. 
They're pretty good if the other team doesn't guard them. <laughs> when the other team guards them, they got issues. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they, they, you know, when they got one of those crazy teams that just likes to let them do anything they want to. But the biggest problem, really, is this Amir Coffee is their best player. When he's when he's their best player and one of the best guards on the floor, they're pretty good. But man, he's got Andrew Wiggins type clinkers going. He does. Last night, two out of fourteen. Wow. We don't have very good teams here, Pat. We're on a we're in a slump. Ah, well, the Wild are hot though. Now they've wouldn't won one. The, wouldn't it be something if the Wild like? Well, the Wild are amazing because they stink at home. Yep. Right. I mean, the last two home games have been four to nothing. Right. And my grandson Luke Dillon didn't attend either of them. So well, he's, him. he's the not jinx. allowed to. He's not allowed to. Yeah, they're still oh, hanging around the playoffs, but that's another one and done if they make it. Mm-hmm. They're that just not very good. Yesterday, boys, you know, uh, Nick Gaffardo, uh, you know, great Boston Globe baseball columnist, good guy. We see him down here all the time in spring. And uh, he gets that embolism, uh, arterial embolism, and dies at the complex over there yesterday, uh, hmm. 62 years old. It's, uh, he didn't know what hit guy. him, though, did he? No, I don't think so. No, no, it just happened. And uh, they... Uh, they, I didn't pronounce him uh, dead until two hours later, but I, 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 you get the impression that he was never really, never really had a chance. But yeah, good guy, really good. Uh, uh, you know, the Red Sox are so important in Boston that you have a columnist that travels with. He's the Red Sox columnist, mm-hmm. uh, so he goes along, and uh, so you'd see, we'd see him all the time at Target Field and all the time down here, and. Uh, yeah, low-key guy, but uh, watching him right, it was always like you looked over there and you said, okay, he's got something. He's confident here. Mm-hmm. He's not nervous about what he's going to write for tomorrow. He's got something. He's one of those guys that, that always had something. He never had to write nothing. He always had something. Shaughnessy had a really good piece today about him, Pat. I, I'm sure you yeah, saw sure. it uh, online today, yeah. but, man, it was good. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, well, he, you know, he was just – I mean, Alex Cora did – seven minutes on him. I don't think uh, there's many uh, Twin Cities ball riders that are going to get the kind of, kind of send-off from the team that uh, Nick did. In fact, Joe, there was a great quote. Was it, is it Pete Abraham, Pat, correct? Pete Abraham was he, his best buddy. Yeah, we had Pete on the, the – remember that show yep. we used to do? We yep. had Pete on that show. We did, and, and he had a great quote, Joe, about – the 18 inning game in the World Series this last year, and mm-hmm. and he says Nick looked over at him and said, "Isn't this great?" You know, all, all these guys Everybody are worried about else. deadline, and he's just Everybody a ball guy. The Brad is casting like swearing like me. Yeah, uh, and Nick said, "Boy, this is great." Are you still uh, uh, uttering profanities to your in your thoughts? You know, I've had a fairly better weekend. All right, okay. pretty good. Uh, you know, I was driving this morning, and I don't think I offered more than two or three f bombs in my head. That's not bad. So no, no, that's not bad. Not as bad as last week. Something was going on last week. I don't know what. Is the top so up or get, down today? Uh, oh, it's down. I'm sitting in the parking lot waiting to go into the Publix to get a couple of items. I got a, uh, <laughs> I got a, uh, I got a guest here the next few days, Mr. Wong. So I have oh. to make sure he's properly. Uh, Properly uh, nourished, if he uh, wants to be. I, I picture you going into Publix and saying, "Where is the? Where is the butcher? Where's the, where's the bleeping Chinese food? Yeah. <laughs> is the DA down there? 
Uh, she knows she went home. She's coming back in a, in a week or so. But uh, here's a good one. She calls me yesterday, and the snowplow guy hasn't shown up, and she's got to get out of the garage. Yep. And I said, well, she says, you got to get somebody to plow. I said, well, our neighbor who I could get, he moved. I don't have him. I don't have anybody else in the neighborhood, and I'm at Fort Myers. Well, they missing well don't you have a guy? Yeah, but he didn't show up. Huh. I don't know what the hell was going on. He was not in, she had an emergency. She had to go to the store. But, yeah. Uh, so I did call somebody, and I got this place, and they were there within an hour, and they plowed her out, but it cost me 100 bucks. Wow. Wow. White gold. Usually, usually costs 35 White gold. Yeah, rough, aren't you? Don't you wish you were in the snowplow business this month? Holy I sure God. wish I was this month. It would be, <laughs> it would be nonstop action. And then, of oh, course, yeah. I would come in, and Joe would say, you plowed last night, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How can you tell? You're asleep at the board again. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, is it going to, why are we going to get eight, nine inches this weekend? Oh, no, not that much, but 50-mile-an-hour okay. wind, Gus. Oh, that'll do it. Sure is. Hey, by the way, what's the date today? 22nd. 22nd. Okay, we got six days in February, and then we got 27 days then we got 27 days in uh, March. So, Joe, we're less than five weeks from the opener. What are our odds of having a balmy day wow. on the 28th? I'm not liking our chances. I'm serious. They <laughs> open at home in March. Yes, March 28th. Well, there, there, there'll still be snowdrifts. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. They're going to have to get one of those jet airplanes in the, uh, in the stadium. Are they going to land it in there? Yeah. <laughs> yeah but, hey, I don't know. Tell me, how are we going to get an airplane in that stadium? How are we going to get a jet airplane? In that God, I miss Calvin. Yeah, I do too. I do too. <laughs> yeah, see, he was, yeah, he didn't. He didn't. His analytics were, "What's this guy going to cost me?" You know. <laughs> you know what we saw there? We saw the last of the old time owners. Oh God, yes. Yep. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was. Uh, he was a beauty. Mm-hmm. No doubt, All right, you no get into you get into Publix and load up on the Chinese food for one. All right, I probably just had another call from uh, Alert Senior Citizen Alert. They were driving me nuts. They're very worried I'm going to trip and fall, and they want to be able to uh, yeah. have me have some mechanism attached to my forehead or something. <laughs> well, if you do go the down, worst thing, the worst thing of being seventy. All these. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> if you do go All down, right. don't forget that there's a place down in Southwest Florida called the Wound Care Center. They advertise <laughs> on television. <laughs> the, the Wound, wound care. care Center. We've got numerous silver alerts here, by the way. Yeah. Well, Where's always Granddad? A, always a 1997 caddy. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> With a box of Kleenex and a VFW hat <laughs> on the back shelf. <laughs> Poor bastards are out there lost. He's at the massage parlor. Why am I laughing? I'm almost there. Yeah, wait a minute. (laughs) All right, Patrick, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Go ahead and take a little break. And now, a man who has never had a relationship with a tree, Joe Souchere. Well, to finish my thought on this uh, ISIS woman whose father is campaigning to get her back in the country, somebody has got to be restraining the hell out of Ilhan Omar right now. 
to not tweet in oh. that woman's defense. Oh, you're right. That's my prediction. You are right. Somebody is begging her to not tweet Stay out of in it. defense of this woman. Right. Stay out of it. Because you know damn well this would be right up her alley. She's a victim. She's a victim of the evil, patriarchal, imperialistic United States. Won't let her back in. She's a terrorist. That was That's the only thought I had to finish that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Um, we uh, just received a little bit of breaking news via the traffic man. Do you oh. have access to your personal Twitter account on that big screen? Yes, sir? I believe so. Let me uh, give you a second to pull, pull it, up. it up and pull up the traffic man's latest tweet um, as it I was, pertains I'm just to the show. Up oh, Elon there you go. Omar. Elon, yeah. Um, okay, let's just see here. But why are we doing this? I checked it this morning, Rook, and I don't think she tweeted anything in that regard. Because I had the same thought, Joe, is that... Oh, somebody's restraining yeah, her. I, I, I guarantee that's what's happening. Because if she did... Somebody got to her and said, please, Ilhan, stay out of this. That's my prediction. Oh what, my what do we got now here? Zoinks! What is this now? That's Kenny's... Tweet. What yeah, does he what, say? What's the point of this? It's, Listeners can't see this. I, well, we're referencing it on social media. I'm going to retweet it from the GL podcast account. Well, what's the? What am I missing? You were you talking see, about. You what? see the creature there? Yeah. I, I thought that was Kenny. It's Bigfoot. It's Bigfoot. It's blurry. Look at that. That at is Bigfoot. MSP underscore traffic. If you want to follow him on Twitter, Greg Terpstra. Has mm-hmm. a wonderful idea. Okay. What's I'm, Greg's I'm idea? Read his email. And I, damn it, in this new podcast world, you sure as hell better do what, uh, here's, a, here's a note from Kenny. Check my Twitter. Yeah. I don't want to check your Twitter. Even though we just did. Yeah. Mayor, I've been listening to you since about 1998 when I lived in Minnesota. Since moving back to my home state of Washington in 02, I've podcasted you since you started podcasting. I never miss an episode. I'm grateful. Sometimes we citizens of Gumption County enjoy giving back. You probably don't recall, but I gave you the idea of the listener map. It was a great idea, but it maybe didn't get the traction it could have. Mm. Yeah, because you two bums laid down on me. We do have the map, though, don't we? We do have the the interactive map. Please enter your current listening location. St. Paul, Minnesota. Please try again. St. Paul, Minnesota. I am sorry that did not register. It's the capital of Minnesota, St. Paul. I want to be on the Garage Logic listener map. Please try again. Uh-huh. Thanks. Yeah. Now go screw yourself. All right, thank you. <laughs> I am lonely. What are you doing when you are done listening to this stupid interactive radio show? I'm trying to read an email. They're all set. Yeah, thank Bush you. been activated. Thank you, thank you. You didn't say a city. I also was the proud citizen who first gave you the story that said hurricane drought was blind luck. You got a lot of mileage out of that. But, Joe, I believe I'm ready to offer you my finest contribution to Garage Logic ever. Love interaction. A few episodes ago, you mentioned the topic of garage wood. I've heard this topic discussed many times over the years, and it warms my heart to its very core that so many other GLers are able to identify with each other on this topic. These hunks of timber are, without a doubt, the most treasured and storied artifacts in our possession. Dare I say, they are beautiful. Pause for an aside. Uh, Mine are, I know for a fact, are 102 years old. Really? Mm -hmm. How do you know the age? How can you have an estimate? They came from a a cottage that then became a house. And then that house was sold, and I took those hunks of wood. Okay. I know full I, well what you were getting I knew into. what I was getting in. All right. Uh, Not a lot of GLers can claim to know, even a, an, an average age, 
uh, of their garage wood. These hunks of timber are, without a doubt, the most treasured and storied artifacts in our possession. Dare I say they are beautiful? It is time we citizens of Gumption County embrace the beauty of garage wood. Therefore, I employ my mayor to declare that over one month's time, the citizens of Gumption County submit to you our most beautiful garage wood pictures. These could be made into a calendar, poster, or some other visual masterpiece that could be displayed or sold at the state fair. We're not at the fair anymore. Or maybe they could adorn the hallowed halls of your brand new podcast digs. I trust your judgment. Admit it. This is an amazing idea. I do. I will proudly kick off the Garage Logic Wood calendar by submitting the first picture. See attachment. Uh... Hell, I didn't even notice there was an attachment on his email. I love his idea. I do, too. GLers, yeah. send us pictures of Garage Wood. We'll post them on our website. I'll, in fact, I'll, that's, I'll do mine. That's worthy of a gallery, almost. Yeah. I think so. That'd be cool. All right. Where, what do we do? We'll get out of it. No, no. Where do, we, where do you send it? Well, how about for right now, just send it via email. You can do it one of two ways. If you have our emails, it's just gljoe okay, no, wait a at garagelogic.com. Wait, wait a minute. Wait, Hold on here. wait a minute. Stop the press, cowboy. I get a lot of email. Oh, God. Now, what if I start getting hundreds of pictures of wood? Isn't there some special designation we should use for this? You asked for it. <laughs> yeah, I did. I think this you guy want it? I think Greg got a great got idea. Well, or if you want... <laughs> Uh, there's an email the show function that you can do through the website, and that will that won't bother you and settle you down right. if you see what I'm saying. It. How good are you with um, photoshopping and, and not, uh, not good? No? Bear with me here. Okay. Minimal. I, I love this idea. I do too. And and I'll gladly take pictures of my. But I have two chunks that are just the best. Okay. You know what you can do. Quit nodding and blinking. Yep. Yep. I'll, I'll send them. I'll send them. Uh, where do I you're, send? You're it? kind of an amateur photographer. Yeah. Who will it be? You that takes the photos, yes. or will you pose? No. I mean, it's. Um, I'll. I'll. I'll send will they be as good as the photo you sent us um, with the night sky? A couple yeah, of was pretty dark. Make, years sure, ago? That was pretty make dark. sure there's some light on. That when was you pretty take dark. These, what do you guys think of this? Here it stars. is. Yeah. My point is, uh, I'll, I'll set this aside. <laughs> yeah. Here, hand it to me. When no, I want to get it done. When listeners, <laughs> when listeners go to the website, mm-hmm. is there an instruction there how to send uh, material mm-hmm. that will not come to me? For example, well, I don't mind that. I'm just, I'm just saying, if this is successful, there's going to be quite a few submissions. I think so too. So should we? Should we almost... There are listeners who don't even know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Garage wood is one of the principles of garage logic. Garage wood are the hunks of wood you have in your garage that you've carried with you from dwelling to dwelling to dwelling. Maybe you've had them since uh, you were a kid, and they're just hunks of wood that come in handy when you need a hunk of wood right. to test a drill bit, to block up a, a, a tire, to uh, balance something on, to, uh, whatever. They're, they're just hunks of wood. I need a hunk of wood. And GLers mm-hmm. have those hunks of wood in their garage, and that's what we're talking about. And I would love to to have people submit their pictures. And it, it could prove to not be interesting, but I predict it will be. In fact, we could even have we could stamp date it so it was submitted on February twenty second from Alexandria, Minnesota, or what, whatever Tucson, Arizona. It'd be kind of cool. Do to, I got to go up to the IT people to make no, this happen? No, no, no. We can do this. We can do this. But see, here's where you need to learn 
which you're not good at. I'm not a good waiter. Patience. I don't have patience. This is, I know you don't. I right. want this done today. Zero patience. <laughs> I want to see pictures of wood in five minutes. Right. I want it now. How many do you have, Reavers? The public hasn't even heard this yet, and he wants to know how many you have. How many? Anybody coming in yet? Right. What do you got? No. Yet? no. Or well, what are you going to do? What, well, what's we're going to set this up. Because well, what's next? We, need to, we when? need to set up a gallery. When? We can do it today. Okay. Yeah. Gallery. Mm-hmm. Today. What do you got? Definitely. Definitely yeah, we're, gonna we're gonna have two audiograms from the interview that we did with the sheriff uh, at the start of the show. I don't today. know what an audiogram is. Oh, you will. Man, I sound good today. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the important things for a podcast is have a good studio. Yeah. Don't we have a nice studio? We, have a beautiful we really studio. do. It really is. We're very lucky. We are. It's fantastic. Say, uh, here's uh, Stacy, uh, uh, who was our GL uh, geologist. Large quake causing damage in Central America, and she's uh, reporting a seven point five. Uh, Peru Ecuador border region. Mm. That's mother's really, really rumbling at seven five. Huh? I'll say it is. Right. Um, I couldn't pull this up on the big screen, but there's a there's a race, and I'm not sure where this is. It might be somewhere in Canada. Uh, a snowblower race, 2019. Look at what these guys. A snow what? A snowblower race. A snowblower race. It's a, there is a, a, probably about four feet of snow, folks, that is just in a field. And there's about 15 guys that are behind their snow blowers. Fantastic. And they're having a race to see, why doesn't the Winter Carnival do that? That's a good one. It would be, they might be going 10 yards, 50 yards, or 100 yards. Some guys' machines are cutting right through the snow, and some guys are having a little difficulty. Well, you need a two stage for this race. But no isn't single that a great stage. idea? Yeah, but no single stage could do this. These are all two stages. It's posted on my uh, uh, Facebook page if you can find me. I don't know how to maybe, find you on Maybe Facebook. it would be better to post it uh, you know, where listeners could see it. Maybe on the maybe GL we, say. I don't know how to send this. You know what Kelsey sent, the offside uh-huh. correspondent, chief offside correspondent? He found a 1971 video of the Winnipeg I-500 snowmobile race. Really? Can that be posted for listeners? Uh, we'll find a way. All right. We'll and Brad Thornburg, if you're out there... If you've been taking any photos of being high in the sky, let us know because those were always some neat. Remember, you'd always take neat photos. The of, uh, I'm team. still, uh, I still frequently communicate with him. Okay, and I'm I'm done uh, worrying about whether you would post them or not. Got it. Right. Okay. Yep. I, apparently, they're for my own amusement. Yep. Do you like? Hmm. I think they're really neat. You know what you are? I'm an instigator. It's an instigator. You really are. Why don't you get that off the page? What do you want? That's Anything me. except that. I, that's when the, I was pretty skinny back then. See? There's Bigfoot on If Twitter. ever there was a time when I needed to talk to the honey princess, yeah, it's today. A oh. giant bee has been discovered. I did not see this. What happened? Uh, one of the first images of a living, uh, it's a Wallace giant bee. And apparently this is a big deal. If you could turn up the lights in here, I could read this. The print is so small that uh, the old mayor needs some uh, assistance. Uh, Better? Yeah. You might think the world's biggest bee would be easy to find, but that's not the case until recently. The last time had reported seeing a Wallace's giant bee living in the wild was 1981. That changed in January when the rare bee was spotted on the island of Indonesia. The Wallace giant bee towers over European honeybees. The female size has been recorded as at least an inch and a half long with a tongue that nearly an inch long. 
Add that to a pair of gigantic mandibles, and it's a bee like no other. Look at the size of that bee. Look at that bee. That's that huge. Bee. Did you see the size of those that I pull up on the screen? <laughs> this one has a big a crane head that left. Oh, you're talking about the insect. Okay, this one, these people were, uh, it was at a soccer match, and this bee was so big, it's not even made out of ice. They have a crane. It's on a pallet. It was a, uh, I think it was about a 10, 10 footer. And it was a. Uh... Now. You didn't see that, huh? I meant, I'm. Not interested gotcha. in your sophomoric behavior. I thought it was pretty damn good. Did you look right up at you, do, what do, the you, hell did you, you pull realize up? why I'm bringing up the big bee? Yeah. Which one? The big animal bee. Got it. Insect right. bee. Insect. Not the because we're guy. told that insects are, uh, we're losing insects because of climate change, only to discover here's this giant bee has been rediscovered. Right. Isn't that a good thing? I think that's a very good thing. Maybe not at a picnic, but it's a big bee. Okay. Now, you know what else has been discovered? And, again, the chief off-site uh, correspondent, uh, of course, who provides a picture of... Uh, I feel like I'm on Sesame Street right he now. Provides hey, Bert, of, uh, he provides a picture of... He provides a picture of Belushi in his bee suit, right? <laughs> uh, the giant Galapagos turtle has been uh, found. Ooh, a, a spe- how big is a it? A species of giant tortoise believed to have once been extinct for more than 100 years has been discovered in the Galapagos island of Fernand- Fernandina according to Ecuador's government. The last known time of Fernandina giant tortoise was seen alive was 1906. I like turtles. Thank you. An adult female believed to be more than a century old was seen alive on Sunday during an expedition by the Giant Tortoise Restoration Initiative, according to a government statement. Washington Topla, I'm sorry, Washington Tapia, the director and expedition leader said the genetic studies will be carried out to reconfirm that the tortoise found belongs to the Fernandina Island species. Experts believe she is not alone. The tracks and scent of other tortoises believed to be of the same species were also observed by the team. So Isn't this it was fantastic? not extinct. There's this is a picture. wonderful news. Isn't that something? Yes. Yeah, so you got up. a giant bee now yep. and the giant tortoise, the uh, Fernandina uh, tortoise. That's just Marvelous. So we they hadn't seen one since 1906. Are what you, happened? Let me ask you something. Are you the one that reported to me, or was, was that my wife, that that turtle in Como? I think it was my bride. Remember the turtle in Como that you could um, yeah I ride remember on? that yes. It is alive and living in Hawaii. I didn't know really. That. Yes, I was just informed of that. I did not know that. That's fantastic. Yeah, that's good. I mean, think how old that thing is. Old. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everything old is new again, Kelsey notes. Must be due to man-made climate change. World's biggest bee, once thought extinct, has been a found alive. World's biggest turtle, once thought extinct, is found alive. These are these are heartwarming stories, aren't they? Yeah, they're just heartwarming. Along the lines of this turtle that I pulled up, look at this. Uh your gal, AOC. Alexandria Occasional Cortex. Should I click on this? Explains why farting cows... No, I'm not interested in her. Oh, okay. I try to give her as little notice as That's possible. True. Yeah, She's only one that. of 435. Let's not get uh, terribly carried away gotcha. with her. All right, thank you. Uh, take a break, please. All right, we can do that.
What are you waiting for? This is Ricey for my friend, Mr. Money Talk, Josh Arnold. Call Josh. Get a different point of view and get your financial future in order starting today. Sound retirement planning is important, and that's what Josh does. Josh can tell you that he is dedicated to helping people like you and me realize their best potential for a comfortable retirement. With today's market volatility, it's more important than ever to work with a professional who understands your needs, a professional who understands financial markets and the options available to help you reach your goals. Call Josh for a complimentary no-obligation consultation today at 952-925-5608. 952-925-5608. Investment advisor services offered by Josh Arnold Investment Consult. An LLC, a registered advisor for the state of Minnesota. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Just jam to Cool Rock and Daddy by Dan Grunmanson. And who spends hours in hardware stores sifting through the nuts and bolts of life? Joe Suchere. All right, let's visit the failed academy. Just outside of downtown Dunn, North Carolina, historic antebellum-style house honors Major General William C. Lee, a hometown hero who uh, often described as the father of the U.S. Army's Airborne Infantry. World War II veteran served as the first commanding general for the 101st Airborne Division, nicknamed the Screaming Eagles, and he helped plan the Allied Forces' D-Day invasion of Normandy. Mm. He's widely respected, if somewhat obscure, which is why, after anonymous vandals attempted to torch the statue of him last week, museum officials concluded it had been a case of mistaken identity. They suspect the perpetrators thought they were burning a memorial to Confederate General Robert E. Lee. Oh, my God. These no. morons went after the wrong statue. This was a statue of Major General William C. Lee, a World War II hero. This is not a Civil War museum, and this is not Robert E. Lee, Mark Johnson. The curator for the Major General William C. Lee Airborne Museum told WNCN on Tuesday, this is General William C. Lee from the United States Army Airborne from World War II. Dunn, a city of under 10,000, is located in the greater Raleigh-Durham area where some of the most heated debates over removing Confederate memorials have taken place in recent years. In August of 2017, protesters in Durham took matters into their own hands by toppling a bronze statue depicting a Confederate soldier that sat in front of the city's old courthouse. Mm -hmm. A year later, activists and students at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill used ropes to pull down the monument known as Silent Sam, which was originally erected in honor of UNC graduates who died fighting for the Confederacy. While the vandals who targeted the memorial to William C. Lee last week didn't leave anything behind that would explain their motivation, Johnson told the Daily Record that he thought they were trying to make a similar statement about racism and slavery. So just an alert to people who may be thinking about such things, he said, this is the wrong general. Oh, the vandals can't even, get their, can't even get their statues correct. Wow. Yeah. That's the most classic. And he's exam. pictured in a world, the, he's, is it, he's not a Confederate. Look at, he's got his World War II hat on. God, we are dumber than we have ever been. Mm-hmm. Wow. You really can't explain stupid, can no, you? No, you really You're can't. just stupid. That's it, man. That's stupid. it. Yeah. Stupid. Stupid. And, and, and can I have a closing note? Yeah. 
I, I did quit, uh, as Kelsey noted, I quit riding motorcycles apparently at the right time. Reason? And I did not know this. Do you know that St. Paul police are disbanding its motorcycle unit? Why? Yeah, it's too dangerous. From the texters? Yep. You're kidding. Distracted driving is a serious modern-day problem. Despite authorities enforcing uh, severe consequences, the number of incidents associated with distracted drivers is on the rise. The cell phone-hogging drivers represent a hazard particularly to vulnerable road users, including pedestrians, cyclists, and, of course, motorcyclists. In any scenario pitting pitting them against a car, the car wins. In St. Paul, it has become such a plague that the police department has decided to pull its motorcycle and horse-mounted units off the roads wow. for safety reasons. Wow. Well, people, and those are the best riders in the world. Oh, they're if they're fantastic. in trouble, if they're in trouble, amateur riders like myself, uh, it's it's best that I'm no longer doing it. Do we know? They're the best riders in the in the world. How are motorcycle sales because I I guarantee you're not alone. And people that have just said, I love a bike, but it's not worth it well, anymore. Well, I think, I think Harley's problem is that they're, they're running into demographic problems. The, uh, the people that bought Harleys are now getting too old to buy Harleys. And there's not the next wave of and, Harley well, buyers? they're expensive. So, you know, a 25-year-old kid is really hard-pressed to buy a Harley. Sure. You're upwards of 20 grand. You know, they're getting a car, maybe. You can get a hell of a car for 20 grand. Mm-hmm. I think the only positive that will come of this are uh, speeders that speed on Fairview Avenue underneath 94 when they're going up that hill will not have that uh, uh, motorcycle cop waiting to give you a ticket because you're going about 45. The St. Paul decision comes after an increase in service calls that requires a higher number of officers in cars, but also because of increasing safety concerns due to distracted drivers. Distracted driving isn't just a hard-hitting slogan agencies and emergency services use to promote safety. The issue is such a plague that the police department is fearing for its officers' safety. The city claims that over the past two years, over 500 crashes involving pedestrians and bicycles have been reported, with a higher number of them associated with distracted driving, six of which have been fatal. Hmm. As for the officers themselves, over the past four years, a total of 15 incidents involving the motorcycle unit has been reported. Following this decision, three of the officers pulled from the straddling units will join a new special unit that will specifically target and crack down on distracted drivers. Uh, as I Even say, the mounted unit. As I say, they, these guys know how to ride. If they're in fear, uh, every motorcyclist should be in fear. Wow! Because they're the best. Oh, I've I've uh, well, I've tried to do what they've done. I went through a little. The crazy the eights, the when you make the figure eights. Yeah, and it just, I just, uh, I'm not gifted enough. Well, you can't make an eight. I can't make an eight or a three. It's a good thing they didn't do three with your hand <laughs> or on a motorcycle. Right, I can't do an eight. Wow. I don't. Uh, this is a podcast, so it won't make any difference if you're living in Poland or Phoenix. But uh, I guess I we're supposed to get uh, really heavy, heavy winds and blowing snow all weekend here. We'll be here. Mm, well, I just no, got to listen. No, we'll the be old back man. Monday. We'll be back Monday. I got to go to grocery shopping for the old man. Yeah, don't worry, Dad. I got your message. All right, check out garagelogic.com. If you've missed a podcast or need to catch up or you want to tell a friend or neighbor about the podcast, we would love for you to do that. But have them drive through our website, garagelogic.com. We're also new authors corner and new art well that's the features page at garagelogic.com hit that drop down button greg holcomb has some great creations and you can find out what is on joe's bookshelf don't forget to rate us on apple itunes garagelogic.com podcast version 
See you next time. Did you get through the glass door back there? Okay, good. You didn't walk into it.